Welcome to this fourth Sunday of Easter as we continue our series, Hope is Alive. Our journey began on Easter Sunday as Mary Magdalene went to Jesus' tomb early one morning while it was still dark. And she meets Jesus, the risen Savior, when he calls her name. Our Easter journey has also taken us to an upper room with Jesus' disciples, and while in spite of locked doors and windows, Jesus appeared among them. And we've been on a road to Emmaus with two very discouraged disciples who, even though they have heard a rumor that Jesus is alive, they are walking away from Jerusalem. But on the road to Emmaus, Jesus walks with them, even though they don't recognize him. And he tells them about the Messiah and how the Messiah must be crucified, but also raised from the dead. And then at table, when Jesus breaks the bread, he's revealed to them. They see Jesus as he was, and they rush back to Jerusalem to tell the others. Today, our celebration of Jesus' resurrection appearances takes us to the Sea of Tiberias, or better known probably to us as the Sea of Galilee, for a miraculous catch and an early morning breakfast with Jesus. But there's something deeply unsettling about today's lesson. The disciples have returned to old ways of living. Now, as we prepare to read God's word, let us pray, seeking God's illuminating grace. God of power and might, come, come and speak to our hearts today. Let your love shine on us and through us to others. Take the blindness from our eyes and our hearts that we may see and hear Jesus calling us. Give us the joy of knowing and and serving in Jesus' name. And as we, as we say and think and do, it is in his name we pray. Amen. Our scripture reading comes from the Gospel of John in the 21st chapter. We're reading the first 14 verses. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? They answered, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. 
When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and he jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And though they were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As many of you already know, the Major League Baseball season has begun. And many teams have already played about 20 games. How's your favorite team doing. Nats fans, we don't have lots to cheer about, but it's getting better. The Nats have won six out of the last 10 games. That's certainly encouraging. My uncle Floyd, though, was a Yankees fan. And when I was a kid, he took me to Yankee Stadium back in April of 1976, just after it had been renovated. One of my uncle's favorite players was Mickey Mantle. Now, Mickey Mantle was a great hitter. He had 536 home runs. He was also a switch hitter. In fact, he was the only player in Major League Baseball that had hit at least 150 home runs from both sides of the plate. Mantle hit with power, but also average. He had a lifetime average of 298. Now, Mickey Mantle once told a story about himself. In one game, he struck out three times in a row. And he said this, When I got back to the clubhouse, I just sat down on my stool and held my head in my hands like I was going to start crying. I heard someone come up to me, and it was little Timmy Barra. Yogi's boy, standing there next to me. He tapped me on the knee, nice and soft, and I figure he was going to say something nice to me, you know, like, you keep hanging in there, or something like that. But all he did was look at me. Then he said in his little kid's voice, you stink. Obviously not the words of encouragement that Mickey was perhaps hoping for. You stink. I invite you to keep this story in mind as we continue to talk about our lesson today. Our lesson today begins after these things. Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in these way, in this way. After These things, attempts to establish a a seamless connection between 
what was reported at the end of chapter 20. There, John reports on the night of Jesus' resurrection that he had appeared behind locked doors and windows to his disciples. The disciples had turned in fear, but when Jesus shows them his hands and his side, their fear turns to joy. And Jesus, that night, he commissions them. He says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Receive the Holy Spirit. But one disciple wasn't there. And when Thomas returns, he says that he will not believe unless, unless he can see and touch the marks of the nails in Jesus' hands and the mark of the spear in Jesus' side. And one week later, Jesus appears to again, and all of the disciples, including Thomas, are there. And Jesus tells Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas did believe and proclaimed, my Lord and my God. After these things allows the action to continue into chapter 21. But we don't know why the setting has changed from in and around Jerusalem to the Sea of Galilee about 65 miles north. We learn that seven of Jesus' disciples are are back on home turf. There's Simon Peter or Peter, there's Thomas, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, James and John, and and two other unnamed disciples. And back home, at Simon Peter's suggestion, the group agrees to go fishing. But why? Knowing the water and the currents and the best fishing spots like their own heartbeat, they fished all night. But if they were intending to return to their former occupation, it was an inauspicious return. They caught nothing, not a single fish. We stink, they must have thought. Just as the morning sun begins to peak over the hills that surround the sea, while they're still about a hundred yards off from shore, a voice from the beach calls out, and the implication of the question is that this, this stranger wants to know if they've caught something because he's interested in fish for food. The disciples reply they've caught no fish. They have nothing to offer, but they do. The stranger then immediately calls back and he says, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Now the amazing thing is that these these professional fishermen who don't know this stranger cast their net on the right side of the boat. They somehow, they trust in in this stranger. And when they try to bring up their net, it's so overflowing with fish that they can't drag it into the boat. Now at the empty tomb, It was the disciple whom Jesus loved who was the first one to believe. 
and again, he's the first one who sees Jesus. He says to Peter, it is the Lord. And upon hearing it, Peter jumps into the water and swims to shore as the others struggle to bring the nets to shore. And when everyone arrives, they discover that Jesus already has fish. They are, these fish are already cooking on the charcoal fire. And bread is nearby. Breakfast is ready. On the shoreline, following this miraculous catch, the disciples also experience an important recommissioning. They have breakfast on the beach with Jesus. They share in bread and fish. And they see and they contemplate the abundance of fish that Jesus has provided. And they are reminded who is the Lord of life and how they have been called, how they've been called to follow him. Now, Scripture doesn't say it, but somehow I see Peter there, head in his hands, as if he's going to cry, full of regret, thinking, I stink. He's thinking about another time when he had warmed himself beside another charcoal fire, but that time in a, in a courtyard, and how he had struck out three times in a row by denying Jesus. And in light of Jesus' resurrection, Peter's desire to return to fishing shows us that, that Peter still is stuck. He's stuck. He's stuck in his failure. He thinks somehow that he's been disqualified from following Jesus' call, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. But it's not only Peter. It's certainly the other disciples. But let's be honest as well. We too are tempted to carry the burden of our preconceived inadequacy. We can think that we don't deserve redemption. We don't deserve grace or, or the fullness of God's love for all of us. We think somehow that we're too small or too weak or too bad or too young or too old or too inexperienced, too something, too something to respond to God's call. Sometimes we're, we're more willing to accept these temporal labels than we are to accept to accept what God says about us. It's a backwards sort of pride that we have. But hear and believe this and let it change your life. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Why? Because he said you are worth it. You are worth it. Each and every one of you are worth it. And the Apostle Paul tells us that where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Why? Because in God's love, you deserve to be set free from the chains of sin and death and inadequacy. And only by the grace of God can we be set free. But we must accept the gift that God has already prepared up for us and 
in Jesus Christ. You see, grace is the gracious hand of God reaching out to God's children like you and me and saying, I love you anyway. Please, could we start again? Let's start again. Today's text has so much to say to us, both as individuals and as Jesus' church. Especially as we come out of the the depths of the pandemic and the quarantine that we've been in. You see, now, now is the time to refocus on our walk with Jesus. And on the vision and the mission that Jesus has given his church, you and me. As reported in Matthew's gospel, Jesus tells his disciples... Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Make disciples of all nations, And remember, I am with you always. In the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus still comes to us to remind us that the resurrection is a present reality, that it has changed everything, and that the message that we are to proclaim to our neighbors is Jesus is alive, and that hope has been raised from the grave. That God is in control and that God reigns now and forevermore. That we haven't been forsaken. God's promise is present and true for the whole world. There on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, we see how God treats us even in our failure with love and kindness, with forgiveness. And yes, once again, with the assurance that God is with us. We are not alone. Now, how amazing is that? John says to us, now none of the disciples dare to ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. And so do we. Jesus is the Lord. And the Lord is risen. Now and forevermore. Let us pray. Loving God. Help us to understand that the cross is not an ending point, but rather the pivot point. Help us to be people of faith who have seen the light of resurrection, who know that you have conquered death. Fear cannot claim and bind us. You have released us to serve others and to witness to this glorious good news. Risen Lord, as we share this time of worship with you and others. 
Help us to feel the rejuvenating power of your love in our lives. Inspire us to move into compassionate ministries to your world. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.